but that's because Mutiny Radio has eight hours a week of open mic stage time for all your comedy workout needs. Strain those improv muscles every Sunday from four to six at Getting Sketchy with David Stolowitz. Press out those new jokes every Monday, 6 to 8, on Joke Workshop with four-minute sets and four-minute critiques from everyone. Get positive by host Pam Benjamin. Pump those dick jokes every Thursday, 7 to 9, with True Hustle Thursdays. Hashtag THC. That's hashtag THC. You want more open mics? Fridays, 6 to 8. Happy hour with guest host and George D. Smith. Pew, pew, pew. Four open mics every week at Mutiny Radio, brother. After work and take a seat at Asiento, a great place to meet friends, have delicious tapas and drinks, and relax with your neighbors. Located at Bryant 21st Street in the Deep Mission, Kitty Corner Block from Mutiny Radio. Come and get a drink during the comedy festival and enjoy happy hour pricing all night long with your festival ticket. A great neighborhood bar. Come take a seat at Asiento. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at Mutiny radio.fm it's a great place to listen to crazy things Alabama's got me so upset Tennessee made me lose my rest Everybody knows about Mississippi God damn Alabama's got me so upset Lurleen Wallace has made me lose my rest Everybody knows about Mississippi God damn Can't you see it? I know you can feel it all in the air I can't stand the pressure much longer Somebody say a prayer Alabama has got me so upset And Memphis has made me lose my rest Everybody knows about Mississippi God. 
my trail Little school children sitting in jail Black cat crossed my path I think every day's gonna be my last Lord have mercy on this land of mine We all gonna get it in due time Cause I don't belong here, I don't belong there I've even stopped believing in prayer I've been there, so I know you keep on saying go slow. Well, that's just the trouble. No. Washing the windows. No. Picking the cotton. No. Nothing but rotten. No. Too damn lazy. No. Thinking's crazy. Try to do my very best Stand up, be counted with all the rest Cause everybody knows about Mississippi Goddamn Now you heard him He's one of you If you have been moved at all And you know my songs at all For God's sakes, join me Don't sit back there The time is too late now. Good God. You know, the king is dead. The king of love is dead. I ain't about to be non-violent, honey. Oh, no. Picket lines, schoolboy cops. They try to say it's a communist plot, but all I want is equality for my sister, my brother, my people, and me. And I loved him because he believed it. He lived by it. But you lied to me all the years You told me to wash and clean my ears And talk real fine just like a lady And you stopped calling my mama and Sadie Hear me now But my country is full of lies We all gonna die and die like flies. I don't trust nobody anymore. Keep on saying, go slow. That's just the trouble. No. Desegregation. No. Mass participation. No. Unification. No. Next to me, just give me my equality. <laughs> <laughs>
Everybody, this is Labor and Love. Yes, it is. It's Labor and Love Radio. Our Saturday morning music magazine, labor, history, commentary, interesting interviews, heads up on what's going on in the world of labor and what went on. This is the B, and it's Labor and Love Radio on Mutiny Radio where we 
remind you that if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the negotiating table where you work, you're probably on the menu. And never or never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Okay, well, it's a January, nice sunny morning over here. I don't know how it is where you are. But um, it's the Labor and Love Show. We got plenty of stuff today. Of course, we're going to talk about a lot about Martin Luther King Jr. It's uh, a weekend where we celebrate from the 12th to the 15th the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, so we're going to see. Let's let's listen to Dr. King. As most people know by now, Martin Luther King was assassinated <clears throat> in Memphis because he, and he was there because of a labor dispute. The sanitary workers, the garbage collectors in Memphis had gone on strike, uh, both for better wages and for safer, safer working conditions. And... When King did stand up the last, actually the last night of his life, huh? he stood up and he made some remarks about labor. He had always been a friend of the labor movement. Here he is, Dr. Martin Luther King, the dignity of labor. You are demanding that this city will respect the dignity of labor. So often we overlook the worth and the significance of those who are not in professional jobs, of those who are not in the so-called big jobs. But let me say to you tonight that whenever you are engaged in work that serves humanity and is for the building of humanity, it has dignity and it has worth. You are reminding not only Memphis but you are reminding the nation that it is a crime for people to live in this rich nation and receive starvation wages. Somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right. Okay, that was um, 
Martin Luther King in Memphis, the last speech he ever gave in public. Um, by the way, when King, um, after King had been shot, there was a speech found in his pocket. The speech he was working on was called, Will America Go to Hell? This one is nine ML quotes. Probably won't see on the media this Martin Luther King Day. Okay. Why is equality so assiduously avoided? Hmm? Why is labor so assiduously avoided? Why is equality avoided? Why does white America delude itself? And how does it rationalize the evil it retains? <clears throat> the majority of white Americans consider themselves sincerely committed to justice for the Negro. They believe that American society is essentially hospitable to fair play and to steady growth toward a middle-class utopia embodying racial harmony. But this is a fantasy of self-deception and comfortable vanity. I contend that the cry of black power is at the bottom of reaction to the reluctance of white power to make the kind of changes necessary to make justice a reality for the Negro. I think we've got to see that it is a riot, that a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that economic plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last few years. Okay, we'll listen to a few more of those about Martin Luther King, but let's, let's call it from the top. Uh, we started out with Mississippi Goddamn, where you can hear Nina Simone scorn the white audience that claps at her radical words. Sits on, on the stage and says, join me. Probably did. Most people probably didn't. Then we had Tell It Like It Is by Aaron Neville and the Neville Brothers. Tell it like it is. Tell it like it is always. And third, Tell the Truth. This is what uh, our leaders can't do, is to tell the truth. You know, there, there are so many commissions and investigations going on now. And the reason, are, the reason is that people can't tell the truth. They refuse to tell the truth. Here's King on labor, wealth, and justice. We must also realize that the problems 
of racial injustice and economic injustice cannot be solved without a radical redistribution of political and economic power. We read one day, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But if a man doesn't have a job or an income, he has neither life nor liberty and the possibility for the pursuit of happiness. He merely exists that we spend $322,000 for each enemy we kill in Vietnam while we spend in the so-called warm poverty in America only about $53 for each person classified as poor. The other thing I want you to understand is this, that it didn't cost the nation one penny to integrate lunch counts. It didn't cost the nation one penny to guarantee the right to vote. But now we are dealing with issues that cannot be solved without the nation spending billions of dollars and undergoing a radical redistribution of economic power. Yes. All labor has dignity. Yes. But you are doing another thing. You are reminding not only Memphis, but you are reminding the nation that it is a crime for people to live in this rich nation and receive starvation wages. America's opportunity to help bridge the gulf between the haves and the have-nots. And the question is whether America will do it. There's nothing new about poverty. What is new is that we now have the techniques and the resources to get rid of poverty. And the real question is whether we have the will. A few months back I did my first video when I talked about why Okay, guy's talking about his first video. How much silver is worth? So those speeches reflect uh, King's interest, King's uh, alliance with the labor movement. A lot of his advisors, notably people like uh, Bayard Rustin, Roy Wilkins, uh, people came out of the labor movement. Uh, a. Philip Randolph, C.W. Dellums locally. Uh, It was always part. It was part and parcel of the movement. Labor tactics and labor alliances. Up until a certain point, most of the big labor organizations were with King. As long as he limited his campaign to civil rights. Most everybody could agree with that, that 
Everyone should have the right to vote. Everyone should have the right to a job without being terrorized, be able to live their life. That was easy for white people to understand. But what was not so easy for a lot of white people, a lot of very powerful white people, was King's opposition to the war in 1967, where he made a speech, I ain't gonna study war no more. Um, uh, this kind of broke that alliance that he had made with the Johnson administration and earlier with the Kennedys. Okay, let's listen to this one. This is an anti-war speech by Martin Luther King. civil unrest. Racism. Activism. The Vietnam War. These were things that were happening at the time of Martin Luther King. Rising from the depths of the civil rights movement, Dr. Martin Luther King became one of the most important political leaders. In the in case history. of this dreadful conflict, yeah. We are always on the verge of being mesmerized by uncertainty. But we must move on. Some of us who have already begun to break the silence of the night have found that the calling to speak is often a vocation of agony. But we must speak. We must speak with all the humility that is appropriate to our limited vision. But we must speak. A time to break the silence. I want you to repeat this phrase to yourself and think about what it means to you. Immediately, some of you may be asking, what is the significance of this phrase? And specifically, what does it have to do with Martin Luther King? Well, to give you a brief idea, a time to break the silence refers to King's anti-Vietnam War speech. Yet before we move on to the subject, we must take a glimpse into the past, when King called upon millions to march and listen to his dream here in Washington, D.C. Civil rights groups organized a massive march on Washington. More than 200,000 people filled the mall from the Lincoln Memorial to the Washington Monument. As I have a dream, that my four little children will one day live in a nation 
nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. As our dynamic speaker, King delivered many inspirational speeches, including his famous I Have a Dream speech. A demonstration of this magnitude nationally enhanced King's recognition as an American figure. Even today, people still recall the event. But simultaneously, a conflict across the globe was brewing in Southeast Asia. The U.S. would soon become a participant, and King would find himself as the speaker of his people and nation once again. South Vietnam is already under attack, sometimes by a single assassin, sometimes by a band of guerrillas, recently by full battalions. From the beginnings the of World War II to Burma. the dawn of the mid-50s, Vietnam underwent years of war and famine under the rule of French and Japanese colonists. By 1954, Vietnam was divided into two independent countries, North and South Vietnam. Soon, civil war erupted as leaders of both countries failed to negotiate, and it wasn't long until the American government sided with the South Vietnam by sending small waves of troops to train southern forces. Yet more would be sent into harm's way. President's car is now turning onto Elm Street. It, it, it appears as though something has happened in the motorcade route. Something, I repeat, has After the assassination of JFK, Lyndon B. Johnson was sworn into office as the U.S. President. Meanwhile, Martin Luther King met with the new president during the signing of the Civil Rights Act of 64. More importantly, King began to write and develop his anti-Vietnam War speech after the U.S. declared full intervention in the Vietnam conflict due to a naval attack. However, today we know the incident was an excuse to go to war. Tonight I have ordered our aircraft and our naval vessels to make no attacks on North Vietnam except in the area north of the demilitarized zone where the continuing enemy buildup directly threatens allied forward positions and where the movement of their troops and supplies. As journalists filmed the unfolding events in Vietnam, King realized that he needed to act fast before greater harm was done. The uh, Time to Break the Silent speech discussed major foreign and domestic issues that deal with diplomatic ties, economic stability, and violence. At the time, the general public split itself based on pro and anti-war supporters. Many Americans, including King, protested against the ideals of the military draft and continuing federal debt. On April 4, 1967, at Riverside Church, New York, King delivered his anti-Vietnam War speech in front of fellow clergymen and supporters. A time comes when silence is betrayal. That time has come for us in relation to Vietnam. It seemed as if there was a real promise of hope for the poor, both black and white, through the poverty program. 
there were experiments, hopes, new beginnings. Then came the build-up in Vietnam, and I watched this program broken and eviscerated, as if it was some idle political plaything of a society gone mad on war. Perhaps a more tragic recognition of reality took place when it became clear to me that the war was doing far more than devastating the hopes of the poor at home. It was sending their sons and their brothers and their husbands to fight and to die in extraordinarily high proportions relative to the rest of the population. America, the richest and most powerful nation in the world, can well lead the way in this revolution of values. That is nothing except a tragic death wish to prevent us from reordering our priorities so that the pursuit of peace will take precedence over the pursuit of war. Because I have some very sad news for all of you, and I think uh, sad news for all of our fellow citizens and people who love peace all over the world. And that is that Martin Luther King was shot and was killed tonight in Memphis, Tennessee. After King passed, his words continue to echo in our lives. And as world events unfold today, he leaves us with a choice to allow the silence to persist or to break it upon its foundations. That, that tape was uh, about Martin Luther King and his development as a peace candidate, a peace, a leader of the peace movement. Uh, by 1967, the war had begun to consume everybody's attention and consume more and more young people, young men. And of course, people will point out that the reason that happened was because the draft was opened up to young, white, working-class kids. And they were being drafted, and their parents didn't want them to go to war. My mother and her sister went and sat on the train tracks in Berkeley at the Oakland Army Base to resist the draft. And it it spread. It became, well, I don't want to say a fashion, but people looked up. People had ideas about it, whether they were for it or against it. By this act, King sort of severed himself from the support of the federal government. The federal government had always supported the civil rights movement more or less uh, with more or less effort. Certainly, uh, FBI agents were instrumental in breaking up the Ku Klux Klan in certain places. In other places, uh, the government did very little. People would get murdered and no one would investigate. At any rate, so King, 
came out that day against the war. I'd like to play one more anti-war speech. Here he is. The great initiative in this war is ours. The initiative to stop it must be ours. And don't let anybody make you think that God chose America as his divine messianic force to be a sort of policeman of the whole world. God has a way of standing before the nations with judgment, and it seems that I can hear God saying to America, you are too arrogant. If you don't change your ways, I will rise up and break the backbone of your power. And I'll place it in the hands of a nation that doesn't even know my name. Be still and know that I'm God. The promises of the great society have been shot down on the battlefield of Vietnam, making the poor, white and Negro, bear the heaviest burdens both at the front and at home. Other civil rights leaders, for various reasons, refuse or can't take a stand or have to go along with the administration. That's their business. But I must say tonight that I know that justice is indivisible. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. It's a war. I think the moral force of Dr. King's opposition, Ramsey Clark, had to be a, an enormous body blow to the president. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know the night that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Okay, that, of course, was King's final speech, the end of his final speech, with his allusion to the biblical story of Moses, who was, who had led the Hebrew people out of Egypt and through the desert. But he never, he never reached the promised land. He was given by God the 
opportunity to see the promised land. He went up on a, on a mountain, as King is saying, and looked over and saw the promised land. Now, King, those were different times. I mean, King had a lot of things that would have gotten him in trouble today. Um, standing up to the government was one of them. A leader of enormous uh, prestige. A leader with lots of support from uh, black and white audiences. A man who was seen as militant later on when we, we saw some of the things he'd said. So, he was a womanizer. Um, he would have been in, in situations, would have been accused of things now that probably would have undercut his influence, as was Jesse Jackson, another strong black leader. Anyway, so this is the radical king now. This isn't the king in, in the uh, state texts who fought for rights for black people. There's a lot more to it than that. He did that, but he also did a lot of other things. Okay, this is Labor and Love. Next, we'll get on the labor beat and see what's going on. Be right back. Okay, we're back. Uh, the labor beat. The labor beat is composed of uh, things that I've seen during my research during the week that impact the lives of working people. And first and foremost, hey, hey, Walmart, citing its savings under the new tax plan. Just think how much money they're making when they can turn around and do this. Walmart citing tax cuts will raise starting wages and expand benefits, says the New York Times. But Reuters adds, Walmart hikes minimum wage announces layoffs on the same day. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Uh, Walmart has agreed to raise entry levels for U.S. hourly employees to $11 an hour in February. They've granted uh, six weeks of parental leave, paid parental leave, and uh, 10 weeks of unpaid leave. At the same time, however, it's going to shut stores and lay off thousands of workers. It will close 63 of its Sam's Club discount warehouses, about one-tenth of all the Sam's Club stores. Around 50 of these stores will be shut permanently after a review of profitability 
and up to 12 more will be shut and reopened as e-commerce warehouses, the source said. Every Sam's Club employs about 150 workers, bringing the total number of affected jobs to about 7,500. Many of them will be accommodated in new jobs at the newly opened warehouses and other stores, according to the source. Early on, earlier on Wednesday, Walmart announced the wage hike. saying it would also offer a one-time cash bonus based on length of service up to $1,000 and expand maternity and parental leave benefits. The layoffs went unaddressed, but the wage increase attracted praise from the White House. $11 an hour. Oh, hey, Walmart raised its wages to $11 an hour. Wait a minute. They raised them to $11 an hour? Whoa. <laughs> they raised them to $11 an hour. They, before they were making $9 an hour, starting wage at Walmart. Let's figure it out. $11 times, you might be lucky to have a, a full-time job. By the way, the the benefits package, as far as parental leave and uh, pregnancy leave, are only available to about 40% of all Walmart workers, those who are full-time. The others do not benefit. $11 an hour times 40 is $440 a week. Times four in a typical month. Uh... $1,760 a month. Okay, let's round that off. We can round that off up because most months have more than 28 days, more than four weeks. So we're looking at, say, $1,900. we are being really uh, generous. $1,800, $1,900 times 12 talking about $21,000, $22,000 a year. Where, oh, where can you live for $21,000 a year and maintain a house near enough to your job where you can get there and back in order to work? If there are such places, that's wonderful. I hope working people are there taking advantage of them. My feeling, though, is that that's not the case. Okay, here's a teacher now in Louisiana, I believe. The Shia Hargrave, a woman who questioned a raise by government, by a, super, a raise for the superintendent where teachers hadn't gotten a raise for Ten years. Okay, she was handcuffed. She was caught on video. The whole situation was caught on video. Let's see this one. Um, she was handcuffed, throttled, 
beaten up. Well, we're not getting it. Um, video board members told NBC News that the meeting was called to vote on whether to approve a new contract for Superintendent Germain Poyao. I hope I'm saying that correctly. The final version of the contract that was approved included a $30,000 raise for Poyao. Well, it's not coming through, huh? Jennifer Poyao. Okay. I have a serious issue, she said, with a superintendent or any person in position of leadership getting any type of raise. I feel like it's a slap in the face for the teachers, the cafeteria workers, or any other support staff we have. Hargrave is seen saying in the video posted to YouTube. She later raises her hand and when called on again asks us a question about the issue of teacher salaries and pay raises. A member of the school board interrupts her saying that her question was not related to the evening's agenda. Several in the crowd can then be heard saying yes it is in support of Hargrave. The board member said that what was on the agenda was the superintendent's new contract and members of the audience answer back with a raise. Hargrave continues to have her question, ask her question, when a city marshal approaches her and tells her she needs need to leave. You need to leave or I'm going to remove you, the marshal says. Hargrave grabs her purse and leaves it leaves as some protests that Payao has been addressing the teacher had even as she was being forced to leave. Suddenly Hargrave can be heard yelling. The video then shows the woman on the floor in the hallway where she's being handcuffed behind the back by a marshal. Marshal asks the teacher to stop resisting and escorts her from the building. See if we can get some of this now. A uh, uh, vehicle allowance. Both. Because I've been on the board. This Both. is the hearing. Both. Some superintendents do provide a vehicle. No, beginning back in the 90s. We changed all clear, that. We changed really the good way that we paid reimbursement claims because some of them were, were absurd. People were charging us for a quarter of a mile and things like that. When that got changed, this is the school board. The superintendent with Dan, if I remember correctly, that he got an allowance instead of a car. Here we go. Right, anybody else in the audience? Yes, ma'am. Hi, I'm Deisha Hargrave. I teach in the parish. I have a serious issue with a superintendent or any person in a position of leadership getting any type of raise. I feel like it's a slap in the face to all the teachers, uh, cafeteria workers, and any other support staff we have. We work very hard with very little to maintain the salaries that we have. And 
as I've been teaching the last few years, I'm seeing class sizes grow enormously. So I'm not, I just want to say, I don't care if the performance targets were met. You're making our job even more difficult and we're jumping through hoops and we're continuously, we're meeting those goals. We're meeting those goals. While someone in that position of leadership is getting a raise, it's a sad, sad day to be a teacher in Vermilion Parish. When we're supposed to be four, six, whatever number we are in the state, we're doing the work. The students are doing the work. At the top, that's not where kids learn. It's in the classrooms. And those teachers, like myself, are not getting a dime from that. And that is unspeakable. My second concern is that you're actually taking this vote with a man who just by chance knew so-and-so got a lift, however that happened, that people didn't put him in. Now, if he wants to run and they want a, a people put him in, then you do your contract and your raises or whatever you deem necessary. This decision shouldn't even be made tonight. And I feel like I'm speaking on behalf of more than just myself, more than just Kaplan teachers. I'm speaking as a group. Many teachers are scared to speak out with Act 1 and all the power uh, Mr. Pio now has. And it's, again, I'm going to use the word absurd that we're even considering. Now, the original, the original thing. Now they're telling her that that's the not part of the. The number of students who achieved over 18. I don't know what this our member of the board is to say. What okay, I thought you had did the research and you, and you knew I was going to maybe see if we couldn't negotiate uh, <coughs> a higher. Okay, number. well. Check it out. It's on uh, the NBC Nightly News site. And the headline is Louisiana teacher handcuffed, arrested after bringing up brass salary at school board meeting. Okay, let's have some music. Then we'll uh, go on with our world labor report. Okay, all over the country now, women are mentioning that they've been sexually assaulted or sexually abused or harassed, and they're just not ready to make nice.
Sometimes they push you right out of the cold When you're working times through You don't want charity You'd like to retire with some dignity And you're too old to work Too old to work When you're too old to work And you're too young to die Who will take care of you? How you get by when you're too old to work and you're too young to die? They put horses to pasture, they feed them on hay. Even machines get retired someday. The boss gets a pension when he is too old. You helped him retire, you're out in the cold. And you're too old to work, too old to work When you're too old to work And you're too young to die Who'll take care of you, how you get by When you're too old to work And you're too young to die There's no easy cure Dreaming won't change it, that's one thing for sure But fighting together, we'll get there someday And when we have won, we'll no longer say Too old to work, too old to work When you're too old to work And you're too young to die Who will take care of you? How'd you get by when you're too old to work and you're too young to die? When you're too old to work and you're too young to Ladies and gentlemen, fellow Americans, lady Americans, this is James Brown. I want to talk to you about one of our most deadly killers in the country today. I had a dream the other night, and I was sitting in my living room, stoves off to sleep, so I started dreaming. I dream I walked in a place, and saw a real strange, weird object standing up talking to the people, and I found out it was heroin, that deadly drug that go in your vein. He said, 
I came to this country without a passport. Ever since then, I've been hunted and sought. My little white grains are nothing but waste, soft and deadly and bitter to taste. But I'm a world of power, and all know it's true. Use me once, and you'll know it too. I can make a mere schoolboy forget his books. I can make a world-famous beauty neglect her looks. I can make a good man forsake his wife, send a greedy man to prison for the rest of his life. I can make a man forsake his country and flag, make a girl sell her body for a $5 bag. Some think my adventures are joy and a thriller, but I'll put a gun in your hand and make you a killer. In cellophane bags, I found my way to heads of state, to children at play. I financed in China, ran in Japan. I'm respected in Turkey, and I'm legal in Siam. I take my addicts and make them steal, borrow, beg. Then they search for a band and the arm of the leg. So be you Italian, Jewish, black, or mixed. I can make the most world of men forget their sex. So now, so now, my man, you must, you know, do your best to keep up your habit until your arrest. Now the police have taken you from under my wing. Do you think they dare defy me, I who am king? Now, you must lie in that county jail where I can't get to you. By visit our mail. So squirm with discomfort, wiggle and cough. <coughs> Six days of madness, <laughs> and you might throw me off. Curse me in name, defy me in speech, but you'd pick me up right now if I were in your reach. All through your center, you become resolved to your fate. Fear not, young man or woman, I'll be waiting at the gate. And don't be afraid, don't run, I'll not chase. Sure, my name is Helwin, and you'll be back for a taste. Behold, you're hooked. Your foot is in the stirrup. And make haste, mount the steed, and ride him well. For the white horse of Helwin will ride you to hell. To hell. Will ride you to hell. Until you are dead. Dead, brother. Dead. This is a revolution of mind. Get your mind together and get away from drugs. That's Okay, that's it. That's it featured um, the Dixie Chicks, not ready to make nice. A lot of women are feeling that now these days as finally it's kind of entered into the national, the, what's called the national debate, the plight of women and how uh, vulnerable they are to powerful men who want to use them uh, 
They're not ready to make nice. Uh, legislators are falling right and left. Legislators and highly respected men. And then we had Joe Glazer said, you're too old to work and you're too young to die. This is going to be a an expanding uh, problem for people as the GOP goes after Social Security, which is the only retirement program a lot of people have. And at the same time, refuses the the Congress refuses to fund pensions. People are promised pensions. They put money into pension funds, and in a lot of situations, they're not collecting what they were supposed to be collecting. Uh, one of the big uh, central central U.S. Uh, pension funds is threatening to close, threatening to pay pennies on the dollar to its workers, threatening to uh, immediately, and in some cases immediately, cut pension payments. This is money that was guaranteed to those workers. This is a contract. Sure, we can uh, pass quote-unquote tax cuts, tax cuts for the rich, and they're making so much money that they can even raise their minimum wage to 11 bucks. Raise it to 11 bucks. You heard me right. So it's time to demand these things. People have the right to retirement with dignity. And the last one was, of course, James Brown. And, and James Brown anti-heroin song probably had way more effect than the whole war on drugs ever had. And we're faced now with a new crisis as a lot of people say, oh, heroin, uh, drug addiction, opioid addiction is a black problem. It's not at all. It's, it's affecting uh, young white people. Uh one expert estimated that 40 to 60,000 people are addicted, uh, die of their addiction, and another 75,000 die because of conditions related to their addiction. It's an epidemic. James Brown with King Heroin. All right, let's see what we got on tap here. How about radio labor? An Iranian labor leader has been released thanks to an international campaign. Radio labor. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, January 12th, 2018. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, an Iranian labor leader is out of prison for now. A huge multinational cement company reneges on its pledge to sign an agreement with two global unions. 
The U.S. labor movement vows to build a mass movement of workers. And the Labor Start report about union events around the world. This is Radio Labor. In Iran, independent unions are illegal, and the authorities routinely arrest labor leaders to intimidate them. One of those leaders is Ismail Abdi, the secretary general of the Iranian Teachers Union. Seamarie Ainsborough reports. A leader of the teachers' union in Iran has been temporarily released from prison, where he has been serving a six-year sentence for advocating respect for workers' rights. Esmail Abdi was originally arrested when he tried to leave Iran to attend the World Congress of Education International in 2015. EI is the global union which represents teachers and other education workers. He was charged with propaganda against the state by calling for better wages and working conditions for teachers in the country. Mr. Abdi was sentenced to imprisonment in the notorious Even prison. The authorities in Iran consider union activism as a national security offense. Independent unions are not allowed to function, strikers are often arrested, and labor leaders are consistently prosecuted for their activities on behalf of workers. Mr. Abdi has been temporarily released before, only to be sent back to prison a month later. That is why the labor movement, led by Education International, is trying to build support for Mr. Abdi. It has partnered with Amnesty International in calling for the charges against Mr. Abdi to be dropped completely. A petition on behalf of Mr. Abdi can be found on the Amnesty International website at www.amnesty.org.uk. This is Seamarie Ainsborough reporting for Radio Labour. Lafarge Wholesome, the largest manufacturer of building materials in the world, has reneged on its promise to sign a global agreement with two global unions. The company, which employs about 90,000 workers worldwide, had agreed to sign the deal with the Global Unions Industrial and the Building and Woodworkers International. A global agreement outlines general principles such as the right of workers to join unions. Volta Sanchez is the General Secretary of Industrial. We were supposed to sign today the Global Framework Agreement that was agreed upon by Lafarge Hosim in both BWI and Industrial Global Union. Uh, but unfortunately, the company just didn't show up. They backed off from their original commitment. After some years of campaigning, we finally engaged in a process of social dialogue with the company. And then in July 2017, they finally agreed in a memorandum of understanding to sign this agreement that we have in hands. But unfortunately, the company broke its promise. And today, we're here to say that, you know, among our affiliates, we are going to start again a campaign against the company because it's unacceptable that not only the company breaks its promise, but refuses a partnership with its employees to improve the the quality of employment which the company is unfortunately not fulfilling. Brothers and sisters, we are going to turn America right side up with a real working class movement of American workers who stand and fight and win together. That is Richard Trumka, the president of the AFL-CIO, the largest labor federation in the United States, speaking to a convention of the Screen Actors Guild, AFTRA. He wants the U.S. labor movement to intensify its struggles to include all workers in the country as well as union members. Brothers and sisters, we're going to tear down the barriers 
and remove all the boundaries between us. Union, non-union, never heard of unions yet. We're gonna reach out to everybody who works for a living and we're gonna build a new working class movement. And we won't let employers or politicians tell us who's in our movement and who's not. Working people will decide who's in our movement. We will. That's our job. That's our responsibility. And we will stand and we will fight and we will march and we will struggle and we will win with every single worker who needs us because we're the American labor movement. We know solidarity and we won't be denied. We're gonna start at the local level and we'll build to the national level and we'll keep building for global prosperity and fair trade and good jobs and justice and a sustainable economy here and abroad. You hear me say it, you'll hear me say it again. We're gonna get it done and we will always, always keep reaching and keep fighting. That's the key. That's what we need to bring out the best in our country and in ourselves to build the future that we know that we can have and must have for each of us and for our kids and grandkids. And we will never ever give up or back down and together we will win for our families, for each other, for our future, for our country, standing together, working together, organizing together, voting together, winning together, today, tomorrow, next month, and next year. You see, it's our legacy. It's our time to create the traditions that they talk about in the years. It's our time to take America back for every last child and every last worker. And together, together, that's what we'll do. God bless you. Now here with his report about union events around the world is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's just a tiny sample of the stories that appeared on Labor Start since our last report. Our top stories section included links to coverage of the global solidarity campaign in support of locked out airport workers in Fiji, an attack on independent unions by the official unions affiliated with the Cambodian government, the release of an Iranian trade union activist from prison, and the trial of former Ford Argentina managers who identified union activists for torture and killing by that country's military dictatorship in the 1970s. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. Healthcare workers in Antigua and Barbuda walked off the job for a day over what their union called deplorable working conditions. The workers who clean Korean Airlines planes between flights down tools to demand breaks and more reasonable hours of work. Senegalese air traffic controllers walked out to demand better training. The Kazakh miners who had refused to come to the surface ended their strike as they were promised a wage increase and negotiations began over their other demands. Palm oil harvesters in Honduras struck to back their demand that their employer recognize the union of their choice. Our top working women's stories included coverage of the ongoing global hashtag MeToo social media movement, the opening of a resource center for domestic workers, almost all of them migrants, in Singapore, 
the lack of social supports for women workers in Japan who wish to start a family, and the public apology and compensation given a Canadian firefighter after her 12-year-long struggle to approve active sexual harassment and discrimination at work. The health and safety newswire we run in cooperation with Hazards magazine carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the Australian retail union campaign to put a stop to the harassment of shop workers by customers, the deaths of 10 migrant workers in a fire at a Russian shoe factory, the suffocation deaths of eight workers and an Indonesian sand quarry, a memorial service for sex workers killed and injured at work in the United States, a safety strike by Argentinian dockers, and a report which concluded that Latin America is the most dangerous continent for journalists. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. And that's it. International labor news you can use. Radio Labor's newscasts are available on its website, iTunes, mobile phones, union websites, and community radio stations. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Labor. I'm Mark Belanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. That was the Radio Labor website. Uh, It was a remark by an Iowa senator, I believe. Was it Hatch? I don't think so. Uh, Hatch is from another state. That if you give money to poor people, poor people don't deserve a tax cut. Poor people don't deserve to have money because all they'll do is spend it on booze and women. Here's a response from Francesca Ramsey at uh, Decoded. Wrong. Wrong. Today we're going to debunk five common and super wrong myths about poverty in the U.S. Myth one, poor people are just lazy. If they worked harder, they wouldn't be poor. Sure, let's just generalize every poor person and blame them for the systemic and institutional barriers that contribute to their poverty. Okay, let's bust this myth. The majority of Americans in poverty actually work one or more jobs, and nearly six million Americans currently working part-time jobs wish they had full-time jobs. Oh, and who caused the massive job losses of the Great Recession of 2008? Hint, hint, not poor people. Not to mention, since the 1970s, wages have basically stagnated, while life has gotten much more expensive. Also, we should probably keep in mind that 35% of the poor who don't work are actually children, the elderly, and the disabled, people who often can't work. Sorry, little Susie, being three isn't an excuse. Myth two. If poor people just laid off the booze and drugs, they wouldn't be poor. I'm gonna let my friend Trey handle this one. Look, it's not like using drugs turns you poor. If that happened, then half of Hollywood would be living in a cardboard box. Drug and alcohol abuse is an issue for some poor people, but it's not a major cause of poverty. In the past few years, several states, including my home state of Tennessee, have actually implemented a system of drug testing for welfare applicants exactly because of this stereotype, and guess what they found? Across the board, they found that applicants living at or below the poverty line actually have a lower rate of drug use than the population at large. 
Turns out drugs are expensive. Who knew? So it's not helping anybody and it's a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. Hey, here's an idea. Maybe we should start drug testing the rich people who come up with these laws in the first place. Oh wait, that's right. The Supreme Court has already ruled that it's literally unconstitutional to drug test members of Congress and applicants for political office. Because that makes sense. Mystery. If poor people just studied harder and went to college, they'd be fine. Look, I'm all for working hard and going to college, but education isn't a poverty cure-all. The biggest problem is that in this country, public schools are largely funded by local taxes, which means high poverty districts have less money to spend per student than wealthier districts. 15.6% less, in fact. So poor neighborhoods have poorer schools, which means lower rates of success for poor students, making it much tougher to succeed. And let's not forget that the overall cost of college has increased 1,120% since 1978. And a degree doesn't mean you'll be rolling in dough. Poor people face so many educational hurdles, saying college, college, college isn't really helpful. Thanks for trying, though. Myth four, most poor people are the blacks in the inner city. Okay, no, most poor people in the U.S. aren't black. Actually, most poor people in the U.S. look, and a lot of them sound, like me. I mean, it's true that the rate of poverty for black people in America is disproportionately higher, but the actual number of poor people way more white people. Part of the reason the stereotype persists is because anytime poor people are presented in the media, it's usually poor black people in the cities. And this stereotype sucks for everybody. Black people are made out to be something that they're really not, and poor white people aren't cared about at all. Or the only time a camera ever shows up in places where I'm from is if they're there to film an episode of Cops. So basically the media is racist and classist. What else is new? Myth five, being poor in America is better than being poor anywhere else. Okay, now try to follow along. Just because poverty is bad somewhere else doesn't mean being poor in America is good. There are 1.5 million American households living on less than $2 per person a day. That's below the global extreme poverty line. 13 million children in America live in households that lack the means to get enough nutritious food on a regular basis. And they live much shorter lives. Guess what? Being poor just sucks, no matter where you live. The important thing to remember here is that being poor is not a moral failing. It doesn't mean you're any less hardworking or any less deserving of reaching your dreams. And maybe the sooner we realize that, the sooner we can start finding better ways to pull people out of poverty. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Decoded. And special thanks to Trey Crowder, otherwise known as the Liberal Redneck, for helping out. Pardon me. Fran Francesca Ramsey with her uh, take on poverty and false ideas that are promulgated about poor people, about poor working people, in order to pass laws. Whoever believes this stuff... Uh, should not be making laws for people. About uh, five years ago now, we lost a real troubadour, a real singer, a real bard in the tradition of labor bards, a man named John Fromer. <clears throat> Uh, he died on this date in 2013, 
February, uh, January 2013. His music delved into themes of community, social movements, and activism through lenses of compassion and fraternity and love. He was always a leader in community and social activism. And he received in 2011 a lifetime award from the Labor Heritage Foundation. I want to pl- play a couple of, of his songs. A local guy, John Fromer. Okay. Who does the work anyway? We plant the food, we drive the cab, we load the ship, we Muslims and Jews We need people of all 
gonna take us all to make a change Take us all to win the peace Gonna take us all in the streets Gonna take us all It's gonna take us all We need the immigrants and the union Greens and the gays, hip hoppers and beboppers and women for equal pay. Farm workers out in the sun, homeless out in the rain. Seniors and the soccer moms, for a world that is humane. Gonna take us all to make a change. Take us all to win the peace Gonna take us all in the streets Gonna take us all Gonna take us all Make 
my home yours These arms are open So are the doors Faces of the world are all around us today Many voices make for harmony Let the music play My life is richer for your presence today Let's break bread together while our children play. Welcome, I hope you like it here. I hope that you are safe and your children without fear. But if they come to take you, in the dead of the night I'll be there beside you To stand up for your rights I will harbor you I'll fight for you As you do for me And when everyone is welcome We will all be free Welcome I say Three songs there by John Fromer, labor activist, musician, troubadour, uh, whose death occurred about five years ago, this January. Someone we need to remember. Someone whose work we need to remember. Okay, popularresistance.org. This is about a strike of cafeteria workers in Canada. Labor unions protest against Tim Horton's reaction to new minimum wage. Protesters rallied outside Tim Horton's locations across Ontario Wednesday to show support for employees after some franchises made benefits and break cuts after a minimum wage increase. But many gatherers stop short of committing to a boycott. Some, but not all, of the chain's franchises have said employees will have to cover a larger share of their dental and health care benefits, as well as take unpaid breaks in order to offset the added costs of the province's hourly minimum wage rate increase to $14 an hour. Tim Hortons is a, uh, a food chain uh, in Canada. Tim Hortons was a hockey player, and I guess he started this uh, food chain. So check that out. By the way, popularresistance.org is being suppressed by Google. So they ask us, please use the social media sharing buttons to share this on your social media and help us to break through. 
Labor unions protest against Tim Horton's reaction to new minimum wage. It's nothing new. You've got companies wanting to take things away from workers and workers trying to keep and increase those benefits. Okay, let's see what else have we got happening right here. And the background music, by the way, is Miles Davis' greatest hits. Trump's labor board will most likely um, strip auto workers of a southern victory. Two years ago, the auto workers broke a new ground when skilled trades workers at the Chattanooga Volkswagen plant voted 108 to 44 in favor of unionizing. But success was short-lived. The UAW went on to suffer several high-profile losses. But now even the small victory at Volkswagen is likely to be stripped from the union by the D.C. Circuit Court and Trump-stacked National Labor Board, National Labor Relations Board. So good things happen for workers in spite of the National Labor Relations Board. In December, the Trump Labor Board rammed through a series of pro-employer rulings demolishing Obama-era gains for unions. Among these rulings was a complete reversal on specialty health care, once again giving employers substantial power to ensure that the size and composition of a bargaining unit benefits the company, not the union. Following the board's reversal, the D.C. Circuit Court kicked Volkswagen's appeal back down to the labor board to be decided under the new precedent all but guaranteeing the skilled trades vote will be overturned. Okay. Tough times for labor organizations, which means tough times for workers, huh? What do you have to do if you want to have a to write woman. Take me to heart. I'll always love you. And nobody can make me do wrong now. But take me for granted. Make will 
Okay, and that's uh, about all we got time for today. Wishing you all a happy King weekend. Hello, Solina. Call out to uh, Vita. It makes me uh, want to be a better father every day. Call out to Solina. We're going to celebrate today. Call out to all working people everywhere. Remember, 3,500 people worldwide will die of work or work-related causes. 150 Americans will die today. The show, as always, is dedicated to them. Goodbye and good work. See you next week. Of swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> Hey, 
Hey everybody, listen to the weekly review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the weekly review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for me five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. (laughs) Well, hello, boys and girls. You know what a password is. That's a secret word that soldiers would use to get past the sentry and up to the front. Well, here's a password that gets you up to the front in all the right places. It's cannabis energy. It seems the faster you go, the more cannabis energy you need. So if you want to win, you have to have lots of cannabis energy. And the swellest way I know to get it is just by using Green Army Skincare. Boy, they're just crammed full of cannabis energy. There are more cannabis energy units in one lip balm tube than you use circling the base 10 times or when you ride your bike four miles across the city. And it's fast acting. Why, no sooner that you apply some balm to your mouth or pain areas, you properly feel the new strength in your muscles. And what's more, Green Army Skincare is a good, wholesome product. They're made with body-nourishing cannabis and other natural ingredients. So go out there today and pick up some Green Army Skincare products from your local cannabis procurement center. Join the Green Army.com.
Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to invite you down to Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District in San Francisco at 806 South Van Ness. We've got great food by our kitchen counter offer, burgers, tater tots, tachos, corn dogs, all sorts of good stuff like that. They're open from opening until 11 p.m. most days of the week, except Saturday. Uh, every Saturday night, we've got live rock and roll, some of the best local bands in San Francisco and touring acts as well. Come on down, 10 p.m., rock and roll, only night of the week. We have a $5 cover charge, always 5 bucks for live rock and roll. We're open from 4 p.m. until 2 a.m., Monday through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 2 to 2. Come on down, have some drinks with us. We've got Whiskey Wednesday, Tequila Tuesday, and we've always got the Steve McQueen special. Shot of bullet bourbon and a can of California lager for 8 bucks. Come down and enjoy our patio. It's open uh, in the afternoon, not really in the evening, but a lot of good folks hanging out back there. Come on down, give us a shot. Drop by the bar, make some friends. Thanks, folks. Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District, San Francisco, California. With a happy hour every Monday through Friday until 7 p.m. Don't miss it. Go to Bender's Bar. Big supporter of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2018. Yeah, it goes down. Come smoke with your boy. Grinder. Spark is San Francisco's premier cannabis dispensary with a focus on serving and educating patients for seven. Hey, people, welcome to the Flat Black Plastic Show on Mutiny Radio. We got a guest today that's white, round plastic, and I think you'll be able to tell the difference. Enjoy. Enjoy. 